This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Looking at this series on resilience, you know, there's, uh, there's just times where I think we need to come back to this topic, and we need to come back to it with a very gentle heart. Because trauma's going on, challenges are going on, displacement's going on, all kinds of hard things are happening. And how do we find a resilience that's, that's a resilience that's not necessarily about me winning or about me as, or any person being successful, quote unquote. It's about resilience. It's about how do we move forward with our lives when things around, around us can feel so incredibly challenging. That's, that's why this series is a big deal. And that's why I'd ask you again to, to think about joining a small group. Because the only thing I really know is that we, we do it together. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's not, um, this is not a series that lends itself into like quick, easy formulas. It's a series that, that, I, that I hope to give just a sense. It's, it's, it's just like hearing Emily's beautiful voice sing. Like, it's about hearing the music of this. The music of resilience. Not a plan for self-improvement. But hopefully something that can have even more impact on all of our lives together. So the way we're going to look at it is it's a five-part series. These are the different five parts. Today we start with, will we survive this? And then the five parts, the next part, patience when it all goes wrong, confronting reality with unwavering hope, showing up for the ones we love, what do we want to be when this is all over? Those are the five parts of the series. Now, now to get us started on this, like this was a question I was thinking about. You know, I, I feel for a lot of us, it's like, will we survive this? Like there's a little bit of a panic. Will we survive all this with how hard some times are right now? And I think that question, we have to look at it in a number of ways. Will we survive this? And just, just think about it for, for, with your families. When would your parents have asked this? When would your grandparents have asked this? When would your great-grandparents have asked? I mean, there's a, there's a lunchtime conversation there. And when have you asked this before? And what does that ancestral answer mean? Because it's not just a unique question to, to the year 2020. You know, I think about my, 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 my dad was born in the rather auspicious year of 1929. <laughs> the year the Great Depression started, the year of the, the great economic collapse. Think about my grandparents, you know, all the challenges they would have had. World War I, my grandpa in Pittsburgh, flood coming, passed out the window as an infant. Great-grandparents, same kinds of things. What are those challenges? Where would they have asked that question? And when you look at that answer over family history, what does the answer mean? So it's important to start here, which is, which is what are we talking about when we're talking about resilience? And again, we're it's more, I'm going to be addressing it in a way different than maybe a self-help book might. So I just want to start here with what it's not. Resilience is not rigidity or fragility. It was interesting researching for this sermon. 
And when I was looking up antonyms for resilience, to the antonyms they said being rigid or being fragile. Isn't that interesting? Because I think so much of the time, resilience, especially with the former one, you know, resilience kind of gets confused with rigidity. It's not. As well as it's not fragility. It's not something that's, um, that's not resilient. It's something far different. And this is one, if you're watching from home, this next slide, I would take a screenshot of it because I think it's really important to understand what resilience is. And, and what we did was we, we pulled a whole bunch of different definitions together. And I love this, I love this idea. Resilience is the awareness of being part of something vast and intelligent and well-intentioned that gives purpose to life that leads us to see beyond the cramped confines of our smallness to the horizons of hope, that tomorrow, with God's holding, we will find a better day. I mean, resilience, if I kind of like pull it into, into my, own kind of, I, um, my own kind of mental construct around it, resilient people are aware of the bigger picture. Resilient people are aware of the bigger picture. And that, that, that matters a lot. Like that idea that, that we have to see our lives embedded within a, within a much bigger picture than the, than the contingencies of the day or ready for this, or even the contingencies of a particular year that is challenging. That there's a much bigger picture out there. And, and at the end of that, where it's talk, talked about that a better day, it doesn't mean like a better day that, that my life is here before the challenge and all of a sudden like there's crazy success at the other end. Again, resilience and success are not necessarily the same things. But I believe that resilience, this holding of the, bit, of the bigger picture, will make lives better. Because they will start to address the fears and the anxieties that are so much part of the human condition. So, to get started with that, I want to tell us, tell a story here, but I want to give you a little background to it. So, it was, it was interesting, like, like listening, and I'm going to step over here, actually, if we could get light over here onto this chair. I was, you know, avid podcast listener, and I was listening to a, to a great talk on a podcast, and I was thinking, yeah, I want to come back to this, and I'm, I'm going to come back to it in about six weeks, because it was so significant. And that's it's looking at the concept of dreams. Because that's what we're going to be talking about today, dreams. Because dreams kind of form that bedrock. And when we feel like we're losing our dream, that's where we get worried about survival. So the dream part I want to share with you is this. So picture Martin Luther King. Picture his most famous speech. And obviously, I'm talking about dreams. Take a three, take a guess what that, what that speech is. I have a dream, and it was it was the history of that speech. And what's incredible about it, Martin Luther King, you know, he he labored all over. He'd gotten all the remarks just so, every sentence wordsmithed so that so that it addresses all things for all time to all people, and it wasn't working. 
He's reading these words and he's looking out the audience and he's a bright enough, a brilliant enough order that he knows that he's losing his audience. And then one of the singers who was there performing right before him says out loud, loud enough for him to hear, says, tell them about the dream, Dr. King. Tell them about the dream. And that's where that speech took off. I mean, it was even interesting today, you know, as we're getting ready for the service, we're having a few little technical things. And there's part of me that wishes we would lose all technology and just just because it, it like, you know, it's all tries to be crafted and that, that I could really just speak from my heart, which I try to do. But that part of like, tell them about the dream is, is such an important part to start. Because I, I think the dream we, we try to create in church is this dream of a new community. Not perfect by any stretch. First thing you have to understand about any church, synagogue, or mosque is it will disappoint you. Have to start with that. But that the intention is always to try to follow Christ in creating community. Not a community of exclusion, but a community of inclusion, radical hospitality, the beloved community. That's what that dream really is all about. That's where I think, this is just my little side, that's why technology can sometimes be such a such an asset, but also such a liability, because technology makes it seem like church is nothing but a commodity. It's something you tune into, and as soon as you or I are bored of watching a particular thing, you quickly can navigate right off into the next thing. That's, that's, that's not how community is built. That's not the dream. The dream always takes work. The dream always takes sacrifice. And the dream is always so worthwhile. The story we're going to look at about a dream and about the dream. It's an ancient story. It goes back thousands of years ago. It's a story of a, of a boy by the name of Joseph. A boy and how he grows from a boy to a man. And, and from a new church perspective, from a Christian new church perspective, he, he represents, he kind of pictures a dream in our heart. So I'm going to step back over here. That dream that, that he pictures is indeed a very powerful dream. And he was known to be a dreamer from a young age. I mean, like, we all have that, right? That, that person in our life who's just a dreamer. It was not me, my family. I don't know if it was you and yours. But most families have a dreamer. And he had 12 brothers. He was number 11. And he was the dreamer in the group. And what was that dream? When, when, when we look at it from a, from a Christian New Church perspective, these are some of the words that talk about that dream. It's about something that is holy. 
Again, that word goes back to the idea complete, goes back to the word wholeness, sort of. It was a dream that was new. It was a dream deeply focused on love. It was a dream seeking to make and create an image of itself out there into the world. Because when we have those things we love, that's what we want to do. We want to offer them out there into the world. We want to try to structure things around them so that they can live and breathe and move. It's also a dream that can do this. And again, think of your brain proportionally, right? It's one-twelfth of your brain has this. It's a dream, it's a love that can make sense of the world when other things can't. And it's not like this strict, like, oh, I, I can understand it all because I have this dream. No, it's not that at all. It's just what happens is here's this thing I don't understand. I can't get it. I can't understand it. I can't make head or tails of it. It's just not working. And the dream always reminds us. But you can love. However that looks for you. But you can love. And one of the hard parts to say about the dream is that it's oftentimes completely out of place, out of lockstep with the way so much of our lives work. We don't, we don't tend to give, to give breath to our li- to, to the dreams of our lives. We don't tend to give the breath that we should to those dreams. As I talk a lot about, you know, it gets mired in this great phrase, which is, well, that's not realistic which means reality is pretty negative. I say that a lot. That's just not true. That dream is what this story is about. And it's not a dream that's like simple. It's not that, look, he has a dream, he ends ends up on America's Got Talent, and he just sold a million records. (laughs) It's not like that. It's a dream that we see winding through a lifetime, which we're going to look at over the next five weeks, a a river, a path, some of which is beautiful and placid and some of which is filled with tumult. And that's what we're going to look at today, the first kind of tumultuous part of it. Now, the context for this part where we're going to hear the reading is Joseph, you know, for some reason out of the 12 brothers, he was number 11 and he was the favorite of his father. So jealousy kind of shows up amongst his brothers. And there's 11 brothers and they're out there working in the field. The dad says, oh, could he go check on your brothers? And here's the 11 brothers and they see him coming. And they actually plot to destroy him. And I think, again, like those things that are just dream killers. They just are, and our brains are filled with them. Our world is filled with them. So listen to this reading. This is from a dear friend, Chris Larry, as he reads to us from Genesis, dealing with this story. Take a listen to Chris. Hello, New Church Live. I'm Chris Larry. I live in Midlothian, Virginia, which is just outside of Richmond, Virginia. That is where I'm delivering this message from. Continuing on our discussion on resilience, from the NIV book of Genesis, 
37, 17 through 22. They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went with his, after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness and don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. Amen. So that reading, friends, is powerful. And again, and, and, you know, that reading, if we just read that reading, I mean, it's one of the powerful parts of a, of a Christian New Church perspective on the Bible. If we just read that, that story, that's pretty dire. And it gains new life when we see, yeah, but it's a poetic truth. It's not a literal truth. It's talking about what happens in all of our brains, in all of our lives. Those, those, those things that, that, that dream that should be part of family, but, but for some reason, it just isn't. Let's take a look at the text. Like one of the lines I love in this text is, we'll see what his dreams will amount to. I love that. And then it goes on. Reuben had heard the brothers, sorry about that, Mr. Spelling, heard the brothers talking and intervened to save him. We're not going to kill him, no murder. Go ahead and throw him in the cistern in the wild, but don't hurt him. Reuben planned to go back later and get him out and take him to his father. So it, it starts out with that idea, like, like here are these brothers, and there's this, this, this incredibly cynical statement, like, well, let's see what happens to those dreams. And, and you know, in the great part, I'm sort of giving you a little foreshadowing, a lot happens with those dreams. A lot of really good things happen with those dreams. But those dreams needed protection. Those dreams needed a Reuben. Somebody to protect that dream. A role we all can play. A role we all need someone to play for us. I want to start out by saying, like, there, there's a huge part of us that rejects our dreams. There's a huge part of, of this world that just rejects that things can be different. You know, I want to focus on that. There's a dream that all of you have, that our world can be different. There's a dream that all of us have. But our world can be different. And there's part of us that, that, you know, knows that, that dreamer part, but then there's other part that just wants to reject that purely out of hand. Purely out of hand. Like, this just, this just can't be. It's important to know that we all have that. It's important for you to give voice to that. Yeah, this is the part of me that tends to reject the dream. And then to flip and to know that there's part of us also that wants to protect the dream. I think about that Reuben part. I think about like, like what we get to see out there in the world. 
It was interesting this weekend. I was privileged to perform, uh, you know, two, two weddings for two couples. And if those couples and their families are watching, just what a great weekend it was with you folks. And boy, you could just see the dream. It's so interesting to me being a pastor and doing weddings because, because you do these weddings and, and, and there's so much fun to do and, and everybody's in tears and it's just this incredibly powerful experience. And then of course, and this is, this is nice, but I know it's not necessarily true. People will come up like, Oh, that was a great wedding. We loved it. Thank you so much for, for officiating at that. That was beautiful. And the dirty secret is, folks, I could read from the phone book at a wedding and still have people in tears. Because it's not anything that I'm saying. It's just, it's just this witnessing of this, of these two beautiful couples. And in this witnessing of what love is, we just touch the dream. Just for a second. And of course, there is part of us that, that, that like, like totally rejects it. I had a conversation with somebody who's like, no, you know, that's, it's just, it's so much harder than what it looks like. Well, yes and no, <laughs> you know, is life hard? Yeah, of course. But, but it, it's not like it's, I don't know. There's this way in which where if we hold this dream and it's just like, oh, here's this dream, but I can never reach it because life is so hard. You know, that's not resilience. In this weird way, when we hold life just as, as sort of this, this, this thing that's overly hard, is overly challenging, we're actually being really rigid in one sense and really fragile in another. Because we're sure we've got it all figured out, but we can't step up to the challenge because it's just too hard. It's circular reasoning. But we have to be able to give that dream breath and protection. That's Reuben. The oldest brother, and it's interesting when you look at ancient history, like he was actually the one with the most to lose. And how do we picture that? Well, here's a phrase for you. It's what we know about how the good of life works. It's, it's that part of us that, that just has this deeper knowing that's able to give breath to things and able to show up in consequential ways, even if the consequential way is just to make sure that the dream doesn't die. Even if the consequential way is to make sure the dream doesn't die. Imagine. Conversation. You take a little page out of Dr. Martin Luther King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's playbook. You ask somebody, tell us about the dream. Tell us about the dream. Let them tell you. And then figure out how you can show up. Ask them, how can I support that? Because they're going to need resilience for this dream to carry on. And they're going to need more than just themselves to do it. They're going to need you. They're going to need God. They're going to need others. 
And what is true for them is also true for you. I think, folks, those, those little parts, like I love, I love this. Can we go flip back to a, can you get to that a second? The text slide right before that. Grace is then unknown and now full of meaning. Grace is then unknown and now full of meaning. I feel like that's so much that Reuben part. It's just, it's just that little part where we can just, you know, we can just offer a little grace and it may not seem much, but, but later on in life, it will come to have huge implications. It's just interesting, right? Being, you know, um, you know, just that human condition. I, I ask you just to think back to just something somebody said that it was at the right time and the right way, and it was just a little thing that gave you the resilience to go on another day, to keep that dream alive, to keep it moving forward. And it just could have been just a little thing. And here, folks, in the tricky part, if you call them this afternoon to thank them, they probably won't even remember it. Because it was just small. It was just God. It was just the voice of love. That was it. And it helped them to get through another day. Again, and that's, you know, with small groups, be that doing coffee and donuts right after church or small groups on resilience, so much of those things can just be these little moments of grace. You know, even, even just, just watching, you know, we've had a, had a young couple's small group going on on Sunday nights. And, and just watching folks, like it, it, it's hard for me to get the words to it, but the magic that's part of those groups. You know, watching people share their story. And, you know, as we were talking about resilience, you know, and one young mom mentioned about how much perfection gets in the way of her resilience because she wants everything just set up just so perfectly and that that just doesn't work with a resilient lifestyle. I mean, that's, that's really good stuff. And that, that, that just helps us to just take one more step for one more day. And I want to share a very touching story with you, one that's near and dear to my heart. And it's a story of some online parishioners who watch from, from up in the Poconos and their son, Braden. And what I've been doing as part of this resilient series has been interviewing people, like to get their resilient stories. And some of them are just so good. And Braden and his family shared, shared this story with me. Now, Braden has cystic fibrosis. He's had a lot of medical stuff, and he's very heroically kept on plugging. He's not a big complainer. I, I know Braden well, and Braden, if you're watching right now, you know I want a big hello to you and your family. And, and they told me this story, and it's the story of Braden and Lily. Now, Lily, very, very ill, but they stuck up, they struck up quite a friendship over the years. Two kids facing some hard medical stuff. And I don't know whether you can notice, but, but can you see Braden's shirt there? You cannot fail. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta love that, right? He shows up with a shirt, you cannot fail. And, and again, very close to Lily. And then they had this one beautiful moment that his mother Teresa wanted to share with me. They're out on a trip, 
Braden sitting beside her on a bus, and Lily falls asleep on his shoulder. Beautiful moment. Now, how does that story go on? Well, Lily has, since these pictures were taken, has passed away. And in talking with Braden and talking to his mom, one of, one of the things Braden said is, is he said, he shared this with his mom and I share it with their permission, is, you know, that Braden's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not really afraid of, of dying. Not afraid of it. Because I know Lily will be there to greet me. Because Lily will be there to greet me. See, folks, there's a resilience to that young man and to that story. There's a dream that's embedded in there. There's a world waiting to be born in that way of acting one to another. Those dreams, that kind of resilience needs protection. It's, it's not easy. And like when I, when I see both of those beautiful young, young souls, like it's not that it's a story of success and all that. It's, it's, it's a story of resilience. It's a story of the better angels of our nature. It's a story of a dream. As these stories go, you know, they're not always easy stories. I mean, Joseph, after this, what happens, and it's where we'll pick it back up next week, Joseph gets sold into slavery, taken away, but don't worry, the story ends well. <laughs> but that's where the story goes next. And yet, we're, we are asked to constantly remember this, right? To remember that with these stories and with these resilience, with these stories of resilience, of course, our lives are filled with the time and times where we will wonder, will we survive this? In that way, your story's no different from your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents. And it will be no different than your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. We're all asked that story. And we're all asked to think of an answer. And it's an answer of yes. We will survive this. Why? Because we can choose love. Because we can choose the dream. The dream may not fall exactly the way we want it. It may be what is known so beautifully as a dream deferred. But a dream deferred just means that we keep on marching forward one more day, moving towards a greater and greater yes. Yes out there into the world. So, for this week, as we start this series on resilience, when that question comes up, will we survive this, have that answer of yes, 
And it may be a yes through gritted teeth. But hold that yes. And just remind yourself. Remind yourself. Or allow God to remind you. And no matter how dark life is, there is always, my friends, a bigger picture. Amen. What we're going to do now is I'm going to close with a prayer. After I do a prayer, we'll do the New Church version of the Lord's Prayer, and then we will finish up with a beautiful song. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Lord, thank you for allowing that dream to be in our hearts. Help us to find ways to protect it, to cultivate it, to move it forward. All done with the arms of resilience around it. A resilience that reminds us there is a bigger picture. And that you are here too, with us. Thank you for your presence with us today. Be with us this week. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 